The privilege to be able to help you out tonight. I think originally Jordan was supposed to be speaking. He called me Wednesday and said he was quarantined. And he didn't think he would should attempt tonight. So here I am. I appreciate you being here. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 17 is the portion of Scripture we're going to be just dealing with a little bit tonight. John chapter 17 is one of my favorite portions of the Word of God because in John 17 we have our Lord Jesus Christ talking to the Father. Now I know we have the model prayer that He shared with His disciples and there were times where we read He went aside and prayed and Some of those words are recorded for us, but here in John 17, we have an in-depth prayer from the heart of the Son to the Father. Some of you may not know that I grew up an army brat, and that simply means that I had the privilege of moving a whole lot. And us kids, we would, as time went on, we would kind of get good at understanding when a move was about to be announced. My dad's behavior would change just a little bit. Normally got up early, came home and went to bed early to get up early the next day. But we discovered that when they were trying to decide how to tell us that we were moving, dad would stay up late. And then after us kids would go to bed, mom and dad would talk about the orders and the move and where we were going and when we'd go there. And of course, us kids, we would want to know that. So we would sneak down the hallway and try to listen in to mom and dad's conversation about the move. We wanted to know it impacted us. It affected us. John 17 is simply, I believe, a listening in on a prayer between God the Son and God the Father. And that's the context. Jesus is praying. He's talking with His Father. We are able to know what is said because through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, they recorded for us the words that we need to know, the information that we need to gain by listening in on this conversation with God the Son, and God the Father. Already in John 17, the Lord has expressed His desire to be glorified in order that He may properly glorify the Father. He understood His role. He understood what He came to do. And He was just asking the Father as He was just really, really close to going to the cross. In fact, this is the upper room. They leave here. They go out to the garden. The betrayal takes place. The trial takes place. And he's crucified. So that's the the context here. He is about to go and do what he came to do. And he's just asking again that the Father would be glorified in what he does. He also understood the unlimited power that had been granted to him as the son during his earthly life that he might carry out the purpose. And that's to give eternal life to as many as the father gave him. And we could talk a lot about that, but that's not my purpose tonight. 
But in John chapter 7, 18 and verse 3 is, is where I want to focus our thoughts as we consider what is being said here. In verse 3, uh, since you have, verse, we'll go back to verse 2, since you have given him, Jesus, authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life. Now, I don't know how many times I've read John 17, but I've missed that phrase. At least it didn't get my attention until like it did this time. Oh, eternal life. The Lord Jesus Christ in his conversation with the Father is going to define for us eternal life. He's going to explain it to us. He's going to tell us what it is. And in this context, he does that. And the answer may surprise you a little bit until we stop and look at it and figure out what it is that he's saying. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. I was listening as we sang tonight and all of the hymns that we sang tonight contained a truth that Jesus taught during his earthly ministry to allow his disciples and us to get to know him better, who he was, why he came, what he was going to do, what, what the Christian life looked like, what example he set for us. All of that allowed us to know him and those have been put into into the hymns that we sing to allow us to get to know Him better. That's why we have the Word of God. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Sunday morning, Sunday night, vacation Bible school. We have the ministries we have as a church. Because we desire that folks would get to know Jesus Christ in a better way. And it's interesting that in John 17, verse 3, the Lord in his conversation with the Father, says, that's eternal life. Knowing you through knowing me. And so we want to look at that a little bit tonight and, and, and just try to maybe wrap our head a little bit around this whole idea of eternal life and what Jesus Christ is referring to here. It's a part of the purpose that God the Father had in sending the Son was to provide eternal life. Scripture presents God as the source of all life. You go back to the very opening words of Scripture. In the beginning, God, that is a statement of life. He was there. He was alive. He's always been there. He's always been alive. He was in the beginning. And the verses that follow tell us that because he was alive, he was able to create and, and bring more life into existence. We see him creating universes and worlds and stars and earth and seasons and creatures and man. Genesis 1.27 records that God created man in his own image. The one who was alive and provided life gave life to others. And this looks to not only physical life, but spiritual life. 
In Genesis 2-7, we see God forming man out of the dust of the ground. What did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In fact, as the giver of life, we see that God in Scripture is also portrayed to us as the supporter and sustainer of life. The psalmist in Psalm 104 verse 29 writes these words, when you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. And he's referring to God who gives us breath, who gives us life, who sustains that life. The same principle carries over into the spiritual realm when God told Adam in Genesis 2.17, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die physically and spiritually. And that, of course, was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God told them not to eat of. The prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 59.2, but your iniquities, your sin, have separated between you and your God. And your sins had hidden his face from you that he will not hear. He is the sustainer of a life. Eternal life flows from union with God the Father. It is maintained in the communion and fellowship of God with us. And it is in the knowledge of God and in Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's what he is talking about in this context. I mean, think of all of the deep theological truths that are behind these phrases in John 17. I mean, each one has several scriptural studies you could do from it to see the theological foundation of the statements that Jesus Christ makes in his conversation with God the Father. And here in John 17, 3, we have the Lord Jesus' definition of eternal life. So I want us to look at it, and he begins by telling us, and this is eternal life. It's a pretty straightforward statement. It tells us what it's going to talk about. We are about to have something defined for us, and that something is eternal life. Here it is. And it's interesting, and also in this context, that They're in the upper room. Judas has departed. It's a conversation between God the Son and God the Father. And the disciples are listening in. So they are able to hear and learn what this is. And he tells them, this is eternal life. You have have sent me with a plan to provide eternal life. Here's what it is. And so he goes with this definition that they may know. That they may know. Know is is one of those interesting words to study in Scripture. We think we know what know means, but we really don't know know because we don't understand how it was used at, at this time. It's more than just a a mental knowledge. I know that one and one is two. At least it was the last time I looked in a math book. 
It may not be anymore, but it was at one time. And I know that. I had to memorize that fact so that I could apply it and use it. This is a knowledge that goes beyond just a a mental assent to something or to understand something completely. It's to know something in every way you can know them. The word is used in Scripture to define the relationship between a husband and wife. More than just knowing facts about her, you know, how, how tall she is, when she was born, you know, what, it's, it's knowing more than that. In this context, it reflects a knowledge that is obtained not by mere intellectual activity, but a knowledge that requires the operation of the Holy Spirit. And by implication, it implies a knowledge that is never complete. We can never know all there is to know about God and the things that He provides for us. It's a lifelong pursuit. And I think in this prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ is insinuating that one of our lifelong pursuits is to pursue eternal life. Not that, yes, I understand when we receive Jesus Christ as our as our Savior, we have it, but we are to pursue that knowledge of getting to know God and Jesus better and better and better as we study Scripture. We don't know everything we need to know at that moment. There are aspects of, of our salvation, of my salvation, that I have grown to appreciate more over the years because I've studied them and all of a sudden a light bulb will go and I go, oh. So that's what's involved That's what's included in this thing called eternal life. In the Gospel of John, John has a really rich view of this idea of to know. And one of the unique characteristics of it is that John pictures to know as being revealed through action. If you know something, you are going to respond. And especially in the Gospel of John, it's a response of obedience. I know what God wants, so now I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to show that I understand and have a knowledge that goes beyond just an intellectual knowledge. I'm going to go and put it into action. I'm going to do something. Here, to know implies a knowledge that involves faith in Him and a love for Him. Because that's what he says. It's to know, and we'll get to that part, to know Jesus Christ. To know who he is. To understand who he is and then to go and evidence that in our life. So if knowing God brings eternal life is a part of the idea of eternal life, then the ignorance of God will bring death to the soul. And we see that in Scripture. Paul writes to the Ephesian believers in Ephesians 4.18 and he is speaking about those who are not following Christ in this context. And he writes, Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. They have chosen not to pursue a knowledge of Jesus Christ and a knowledge of God. And that choice led to ignorance, which leads to uh, being alienated from God. And in order to dispel this ignorance and to impart to man the knowledge of God, Jesus Christ came. 
And it's interesting as you look at that theme, and I'm just going to take one real short trip down a short rabbit trail, but in the Gospel of John, even how that's presented. If you go back earlier in the Gospel in John 8, Jesus has been talking to the disciples and trying to get them to understand who he is and what his mission is. And in the context in John 8, he has told them, I am the light of the world. And that he had come from the Father. He was trying to teach them about him. Something they didn't know. How did the disciples respond? Verse 19 of John 8. Where is your Father? They're they're trying to grasp this concept and knowing Christ and his origin and knowing his Father to know more about what their purpose was. So, Where's your father? And Jesus answered them. And listen to what he says here. This is interesting. You know neither me or my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father. He's telling them, you're not getting this. You're asking the wrong question. You're you're processing the wrong information. You're missing the point. You don't know the Father because you don't know me. And if you'd have known me, you'd have known the Father. And you wouldn't have asked where my Father was. And we see these interchanges, exchanges continue between the Lord Jesus and the disciples. But we come into John 14. The subject comes up again. The context of that verse, and and it's you know, in the larger context of our verse today, but Jesus in the upper room and John, remember, begins, let not your heart be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me, in my Father's house. And he goes on. In that context, he tells them, I am going away to the Father. And the disciples responded, especially Thomas here, well, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus responded, remember his response? I am the way. No one goes to the Father except through me. And that's usually all we say of that. But the verse goes on. Again, the context is very interesting. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen me. So he's telling them, you still haven't completely got it. And and I don't believe necessarily they had. They were still struggling with that because he hadn't died yet and he hadn't rose again. That's where I think the light began to come on as far as their knowledge of what Jesus Christ came to accomplish. But he had confidence that they were going to grasp some of these truths, knowing where God was and how this father relationship worked. And what Jesus meant by that he is going to the Father. And and so he, he reflects on that here. But he ties it to knowing him. To know the Father. To have an understanding of the big picture of eternal life and what it's all about. Go back in your mind just a moment, if you will, to the Garden of Eden with me. You see, we were there, not personally like we are now, but we were there. 
And God commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of good and evil. And he says, you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die physically and spiritually. He's warning them here against introducing eternal death. And he didn't forbid them to eat of the knowledge, the tree of knowledge, in order to deprive them from something good. He was trying to spare them from evil. And up to the point for Adam and Eve, everything was good. And God says over and over again, as they this was good, this was good, this was good. And there was no reason for them to eat of the tree to add anything to their life or their existence. They had everything that they could need in a perfect setting. And all Adam and Eve gained by partaking of that fruit that God told them not to eat was evil and death and condemnation. And so now he is talking to mankind about eternal life. And that it comes through him his son Jesus Christ and the purpose that he came to earth. That they may know. This is eternal life, that they may know. That's the reason we have the scriptures. So that we can know about Jesus Christ, not only know about Jesus Christ, but we can know the truth about us. I mean, that's included in scripture. It's more than just knowing about God. It's knowing about us and how God sees us. What our problem is. It is God's written revelation of himself to man. It, it, it contains in it things that, God, that we can only know about God if God tells us. It was given, the word of God is given to us as a means for attaining this knowledge. And that's why the word of God is so important in our lives, that we need to spend time in it, reading through it, studying it, so that we know and learn more about God. And that was one of the reasons in John 7, and later in the context, in this upper room context, Jesus Christ talks about, well, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send someone to help you know me. I'm going to send someone just like me who's going to dwell with you who know me, who put your faith and trust in me, and he's going to guide you into all knowledge. He's going to help us learn things about who he is that we could not learn on our own. And that's why sometimes when you're sharing Scripture with folks who are unsaved, they they look at you and say, I'm sorry, I, I just don't get that. But the Spirit of God works on their life and, and, and tries to penetrate their heart and you're just giving them the Word of God. That's why it's important that we give them Scripture because the Holy Spirit works with Scripture, not our opinion or our ability to produce a great argument. And He's working with that Scripture and He penetrates the heart and all of a sudden, hey, I see it, I understand. And the purpose so that we can know more about who Jesus is. Know more about this eternal life that he provided for us because we desperately needed it. To guide us into all truth as scripture 
says. Peter writes about that in 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, that God has given to us his divine, and his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain through life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and excellence. That's how we learn what we need to do to live the way we ought to live. By knowing him, by the knowledge of him. Paul wrote the Ephesians that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to us a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of Him. Learning about who He is. And Peter, as he writes again in 2 Peter 1, 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This knowledge is involved in the whole package of eternal life, more than just salvation, but living lives that please Him. Paul wrote to Philippians, Philippians 1.9, This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us and that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's an idea, it's a knowledge, that's as a gaining. We learn that God loves us as we study scripture. The aged apostle John writes in 1 John 4, 9 and 10, and this is the love of God made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's knowledge that we get through scripture and understanding more about Jesus Christ and who God the Father is and, how, and more about ourselves. And that is the context that Christ is praying. And we want, to, we want to have this knowledge so that we know Him and understand that knowing Him is eternal life. For this reason the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This was the reason He was made sin for us to resolve that sin issue that we would not have known about had we not had a knowledge of it in the Word of God. Had God not revealed it to us to learn about Him? You may say, okay, so what do we need to know in in having this eternal life? What, What is the knowledge base involved in that? First is knowing that God exists. We went back to Genesis and talked about that. That he is and that he has communicated to us through his word. God wanted us to know him in this way. And now that we have his word, we discover more about him. We quickly see that his holy, that God is holy and we are sinners. We discovered that in Genesis. We see it right off. And this has built a barrier 
between man and God and we discover further that that sin brings with it a death penalty, physical death and spiritual death. We we understand that by reading the Bible, by knowing what God has revealed about himself. And as we dig a little further in the scripture and we find that God planned in eternity past and that his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, willingly took on humanity to live a perfect life that he might die in our place for our sins. That's a knowledge that can only come from him. That we have to study, that we have to discover. And and so we're having this knowledge and and then, okay, what do we do with that? Well, we study some more in Scripture. And Scripture tells us that all we have to do is believe what we have learned about Jesus and our sin, trusting that what He did was totally and completely sufficient to take care of our sin and put our faith in that. That's a knowledge that comes from studying Scripture. And knowing who Jesus Christ was. And that knowledge is eternal life. And so here in John 17, as the Lord Jesus is praying, He's established His position with the Father in order to be able to come and boldly ask the things that He's going to ask. And John 17 is a great, great revelation of knowledge about what God wants for us. But here, right up front, he says, I want them to know what eternal life is. And eternal life comes from understanding who I am and who you are. And understanding that, we quickly understand that that's not what we are. And we have a decision to make. We have a truth and we have to respond. And each and every one of us are there or have been there or are going to be there. And even as we have maybe made the decision and understanding what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary and in faith, putting our faith and trust in his finished work on the cross, it doesn't end there. How are we going to live every day? When you get up tomorrow morning, you have a decision to make. How are you going to live? Are you going to live in the knowledge of what you know about God? Or are you going to live in what feels right? Or what our culture is doing? Or what your teacher says? Or what your neighbor does? We face those decisions every day. And the more we read in Scripture, the more we know about God and the more we know His truth and the more decisions we face on on what are we going to do. And all of that lumped together is what I believe Jesus is referring to when He talks about eternal life. Preparing us for living in eternity in heaven. I mean, we sang earlier, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. In this life, I understand we're not going to reach a sinless perfection. 
But I've often had to ask myself, how comfortable am I going to initially feel? And I realize this is a little sanctified thinking here and maybe a little worldly, mindly thinking, but, but from, you know, I had no idea of the transformation, but from my human perspective, how comfortable am I going to feel in that environment? Am I trying to prepare today, living the way God wants me to live so that, you know, I will at least have some idea what I discover in Scripture so that I will, I, I mean, I'll fit in because I'm covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, but I'm responsible for living every day to let people see eternity in my life in a different way. An interesting prayer in John 17. And this is eternal life, that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What do you know tonight about eternal life? What do you know about Jesus Christ, whom God sent. What do you know about the plan and the love of God the Father demonstrated through the Son and the Spirit that helps us gain that knowledge? And I'm just wondering what the disciples were thinking as they were sitting there. Eternal life. This is eternal life, knowing this guy that's praying and the one to whom he's praying as they were struggling with that in their earthly existence. Thinking back at the things they knew, well, he raised the dead. He calmed the sea. He turned water into wine. He made a blind beggar see. It was knowledge that they were struggling with and trying to understand, to understand who this guy was and how that related to us and how this knowledge of eternal life was so vital and so important for us. So I'm going to ask you again, what do you know tonight about eternal life? Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, I, I've heard the term tossed around in church and maybe some of my, my you know, church-going friends have talked about, do you have eternal life? Or maybe I've read it on a bumper sticker, but, but there's just a lot I don't know about eternal life. And I'm not even sure what you have to do to know you have it. And if that's you tonight, in a few minutes, we're going to sing a closing song. I'd invite you to come, but I, after the service, I and others will be in the foyer. Just seek one of us out and say, you know, I'd like to know more about this thing called eternal life.
Maybe you're here tonight and you're, you are a believer. You know there's a time and a place in your, in your life that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross of Calvary to take away the penalty of your sins for all eternity. But, but you're struggling in learning more about God. That's as far as it goes. And, and, and you're frustrated in living that way. And you want to, to learn more about who God is and how He wants you to live. And, and to maybe live the life you see in other believers as they face the trials and obstacles that we all face in life. And, and you, would, you would just like to know that. We have folks here who can talk to you about that. We'd count it a privilege to do it. And the thing that ought to be encouraging is here we have God the Son praying to God the Father, telling them, I want you to give them eternal life. I want them to know you and to know me. And so it's a possibility. Because God the Son is asking God the Father, to grant that and do that. And it can happen. It can happen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.